This week on Blue 58, the Packers are ready to fight for their playoff lives. Will Aaron Rodgers be there with them? We'll discuss exactly what the Packers will have to do to beat the Panthers with or without their two-time MVP quarterback. But will he come back at all? Plus, we recap a special appearance with our colleagues from across the pond. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to Blue 58, the one, the only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, excited to be with you here for episode number 60. We don't have anything special planned for another big round number episode, but, you know, it is pretty exciting to be hitting number 60. So let's dive right in, uh, breaking down this week's win over the Cleveland Browns. It is a nice but relatively empty looking win from my perspective. The Packers needed to have it, but... Uh, this is not one that you should feel super excited about. And it's hard to not feel excited about it because it was an exciting win. A fourth quarter comeback, a win in overtime on the road, uh, a win in spectacular fashion, I might add, with that exciting screen pass to Devontae Adams sprinting down the field and sprinting right off the field into the locker room as the Packers walk off winners over the Cleveland Browns. But to me, this feels a little bit like beating your little brother. Uh, I have a little brother. We used to play basketball all the time in the in the yard or in the in the uh, driveway in front of our house, near our house. wasn't really in front of it. That's really beside the point. But you're supposed to beat your little brother. And if you do beat your little brother, oh, good for you. You beat your little brother. You were supposed to do that. But if you lose to your little brother, well, then it's something he can brag about forever. And you know you're going to hear about it forever, too. That was the situation the Packers were in on Sunday. It's the Browns. They haven't won all season. Of course, you're supposed to beat the Cleveland Browns. And it looked for a long while like the Packers weren't going to do that. In fact, I told Gary, uh, I was as I was driving or heading out to drive home to Indiana from Ohio, we were visiting my, my in-laws this weekend. Uh, and I, I wasn't able to watch the game for a variety of reasons, um, mostly because it wasn't on TV in, in Ohio, but you know, then it's hard to watch while you drive. But I told Gary as I was getting in the car, like, look, it, it looks like you might want to start writing that obituary column because if the Packers lost to Cleveland, good luck making the playoffs. Good luck even surviving that if you're most of the people who work for the for the Packers. Now, of course, the Packers, I don't think we're going to fire Mike McCarthy on, on Monday if he lost to the Browns on Sunday. But that just seems like this sort of black mark that you just never get over. And you have those sorts of situations you never recover from. If the Packers had lost, I don't know how you come back from that if you're Mike McCarthy. How do people take you seriously as a quote-unquote highly successful NFL coach, to use his phrase, um, if you lose to the Browns in an absolutely gotta-have-it game? So it's good that the Packers won, but you know, I, not not going to write home about it, even though it was an exciting win. We did see some good stuff from Brett Hundley, and I think he did a good job taking what was there, especially down the stretch in the second half when the Browns went to that really weird sort of, we're just going to play 10 yards off and and let you have everything in front of you sort of coverage. Didn't make any sense at all, and the Packers were able to rally in large part because of that. I also thought it was interesting that the Browns, who have gone undergone this analytical revolution and um, you know really changed the way they do things, basing their their stuff around uh, analytics and and bringing in these these sabermetric baseball guys to to compile all these draft picks their their two highly touted first round picks are guys who end up missing or messing up key plays that let the packers either win or back into the game on Devonte adams game winner 
uh, first overall pick, Miles Garrett, had Hundley or had Adams nearly wrapped up almost immediately after he caught the pass from Hundley, but Adams spun out of it and was off to the races for a touchdown. None of that would have happened if David Njoku, their tight end, who they took at pick number 29, the pick that they traded up with the Packers to get, if he had hung out onto a key third down pass late in the game, the Packers may not have even had a chance to put the game in overtime or to force overtime. So it was really interesting to me that those two plays from those two high-end rookies really ended up you know, almost costing the Browns the game. So what ultimately can we take away from this this win over the Browns? Not a lot, in my opinion. I, I uh, The Packers probably should have lost this game. And if it had been almost anyone other than the Browns, even the Buccaneers uh, from the previous week, if they had been up 21-7 to on the Packers, uh, good night. I, I don't think the Packers are coming back from that. The real and only takeaway from this is that the Packers are still alive and they are lucky to be so. We can at least talk about what it means if and when Aaron Rodgers comes back because the Packers beat the Browns. And that's still a pretty good takeaway. Let's talk a little bit about broadcasters. We got Tom uh, Brenneman and Chris Spielman again in the booth. Uh, Tom Brenneman sounded really annoyed for a lot of the game on Sunday, going back and watching that after after I, I got out of the car driving back to Indiana. I, to me, the just the tone of his voice and so many of his, his calls, he sounded a lot like a dad who goes to an area youth sporting event, soccer or baseball or basketball or something, and the only time he talks or says anything is when he's very loudly expressing disappointment with the players on the field. Nothing for him is good. I've had a little bit of a bone to pick ever since I, I first heard Tom Brenneman call a game and was aware of who he was. It was the, the, I don't know if you'd call it the 2007 or 2008 Fiesta Bowl. It was um, Boise State against Oklahoma, that game where Boise State pulled off all the wacky trick plays and came back and beat Adrian Peterson and Oklahoma in overtime. Spectacular game. Brenneman was on the call there, had some really good calls, but he is given to a little bit of hyperbole and just being a little bit overexcited and and really laying it on like with the with the big golden voice to uh, announcer voice style uh, at, at key moments. But so so since then, I guess I've I've had a little bit of a bone to pick with him. But this Sunday, he was not that enthusiastic guy. He just seemed annoyed all the time. For example, this ultimately inconsequential Devonte or Brett Hundley to Devonte Adams incompletion in the second quarter. Uh, Tom Brenneman very disappointed. Nearly impossible pass to complete, says that pass, or says Brenneman of a pass that was nearly actually completed to Devontae Adams. He just barely missed it. And actually, what ended up happening was Spielman explained to him exactly why the Packers wanted to pass on third and one. And look, it's 2017. It's not like passing on third and one is a real big deal anyway. Later in the first half, uh, Cleveland has third and goal uh, from inside the five in the second quarter. And it's just Spielman on this call because Brenneman doesn't say anything at all. Play action week. Play action week. There it is. That had no chance. None. 
All right there, Tom, settle down. That had no chance. None. All right, tough guy, whatever. Then in the second half, uh, Devon House gets tangled up with Josh Gordon and, and Brenneman is just beside himself. This has to be a pass interference call, right? Chris Spielman, please explain. Kaiser trying to answer. There's a collision and the flag's got to come here, right? No, it's incidental. Devon House fell down and Josh Gordon tripped over Devon House. Long silence as Spielman explains something that every veteran football announcer should probably understand, the concept of incidental contact. This, I think, is is something I would describe as the Tony Romo effect. And this is something I actually don't like about Tony Romo as a, as a color guy. He frequently corrects Jim Nance in a very almost annoyed, condescending tone of voice. Like, you should have known that, obviously. It's just, I'm just going to disagree with you. Uh, whatever. Uh, color guys across the league are now emboldened by Tony Romo and just calling out their play-by-play guys when they do stupid things. And that sounds like what Spielman was doing there. Now, I've said all these bad things about Brenneman, but I do think he had a really good call on the game winner to Adams in overtime. And they're going to throw it. That's a dangerous throw, and it's a first down into the end zone. Devontae Adams and the Packers have won in overtime. Good, good stuff. As a TV announcer, communicate the basic stuff and get out of the way. Let the moment breathe. He did that. He had the appropriate level of excitement. Very exciting play. Uh, it was fun to watch on TV, and, and he, he communicated that pretty well. And then he got out of the way, like I said, and let the moment breathe. As good as the call was, I don't think it was as good as Wayne Larravee calling it on the radio. Devontae Adams solo to the right side. Cobb and Nelson to the left with Cobb in the slot. Now Devontae in motion to the left. Third down and six from the 25 of Cleveland. Williams alone back. Quick toss. Adams left side. Spins loose. Got the first down. Oh and Mo to the end zone for the touchdown. And the Packers have won in overtime again. <laughs> Devontae Adams, a walk-off 25-yard touchdown reception. I think I was actually pounding the steering wheel in my Kia Sorento as Wayne Larravee made that call. Just exciting stuff, great stuff uh, from the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. That, I think, it's how it's done. Let's move on. I want to talk a little bit about Kevin King being on injured reserve because I think this is something that's really going to affect the rest of the Packers' season. Uh, if the Packers do make the playoffs, they're going to have to stop somebody at some point. You can't just get by with Aaron Rodgers scoring 50 points a game, and he might not be capable of scoring 50 points a game for the Packers uh, as he comes back from this collarbone injury. Putting King on injured reserve puts the Packers in a real tough position, especially now with Devon House uh, battling this back injury. And I know that in in the realm of back injuries, a, a fractured transverse process is not the most serious thing in the world. But anytime you're talking about a broken bone in your back, it just sounds like you should be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life or not allowed to lift more than 15 pounds or something like that. Not talking about playing a professional football game in another two weeks. Having King not be available uh, really puts the Packers in a bind because they're really down to one NFL caliber corner or at least a guy who's capable of, of starting and playing well against opposing high-end receivers. 
and that's Demarius Randall, who's been pretty darn good the last month or so. Other than him on the roster, you have Josh Hawkins, who's very fast and and not much else, and then uh, Lindsey Pipkins and Donatello Brown on the active roster, and then Rayshon Pringle kicking around on the practice squad somewhere. I mean, that's that's a pretty bare cupboard, and it's the sort of situation where you wish that Ted Thompson would be a little bit more inclined to sign a veteran free agent. Now, that said, there aren't a lot of veteran free agents out there, even if you look at some of the, the, compi- the compiled lists of guys who would theoretically be available. There's not a lot out there, and I don't even want to bother talking about names. I just wonder if it's something that they could have addressed a little bit earlier, and, and maybe it would be a better option. Um, but at, at any rate, the secondary is going to be a sore spot for the Packers now and throughout however much more they're going to be playing through the rest of the season. Final headline, not so much a headline as an extended opportunity for a little bit of a, a dis- different listening experience. I had the opportunity this week uh, to join the very, very good UK and Irish Packers podcast. They are phenomenal gentlemen. I talked to Steve O'Brien over there, um, their main main host, and they do a phenomenal job with this podcast. Uh, he was gracious, gracious enough to have me on, and he stayed up pretty late into the evening, Ireland time, just so that we could talk over Skype. And I had a lot of fun. So um, we talked about all sorts of things about the power sweep and Blue 58 and the Packers. And it was just a real fun time. And if you give it a listen, uh, and we will link this in, in the show notes for this episode, uh, you will you will hear a little bit about the, the origin story of, of the power sweep and Blue 58 and some of the process from behind the scenes. But I'll play you a little bit of a clip of our conversation here, and then we will move on with the show. All of us here at UK Packers that do stuff behind the scenes, you know, we, we appreciate the amount of time sometimes that it can take to put some stuff together. So, I mean, what's it like, John? I mean, are you in the middle of a family dinner and, you know, you're telling your wife, your, your wife's listening, you know, she's telling a story about what happened in her day and you're like, hold on, honey. I actually have to go to Marius Randall just tweeted this thing at uh, at Flash Gordon, so I need to head off. I mean, it does it is it sort of does it disrupt your life? Are you enveloped in it in a good way? Is is your wife a Packers fan? Does she understand? I mean, what dynamic are we talking about there? Do you do you end up in the doghouse um, as such, John? An awful lot over this type of stuff. I would say it's six of one, half dozen of the other. We I, I never end up in the doghouse about it because my wife. Um, she understands and she she likes it and she supports it. She is a Packers fan, uh, relatively new to the world of Packers fandom. I, I would say since we we started dating about four years ago, um, that that's really about the life of her Packers fandom. But she's she's always been a sports fan. She was an athlete growing up, um, so she she understands the world of sports, and I think that that's a big asset there. Um, she was also one of the the driving forces behind getting the site started. She saw my previous site, uh, PackerPerspective.com. She was there when you know we were on break for a little while. The site, not me and my wife. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, this is getting really deep. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the wife and I had never been on break. The, the site uh, had to go away for a little while. Uh, but when, when we were thinking about rebooting it, she was like, if you're going to do this, you really should do it you know, all the way. Try to, try to do it you know, uh, high quality and, and make it yeah. look good and, and sound good and stuff like that. So she was a big driving force behind it. Uh, as far as, you know, enveloping your whole life or something like that, I, I think it can, if you let it, and I've worked really hard to to try not to let it, this isn't my job. This is something that I do for fun. And if it stops being fun, I, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So keeping it fun, I think is, is the, the best way to do it. And not letting yourself get bogged down in what somebody said on Twitter or, or something like that. You, you kind of have to have a threshold in your mind about, you know, what's worth 
doing a story about and and what's not what can you let other people hmm. other let other people cover because there are people out there whose job it is to cover every single little tweet that happens about the packers and i just i just don't want to be that like who cares like we're all on twitter anyway you're going to see it i don't need a, a 300 word column from from espn telling me about you know, what Demarius Randall said to, to Josh Gordon or, or whatever. So mm. the only time I think that I've gotten away from family dinner and it, it is sad in retrospect now that uh, as the season has gone on, the only time that I've gotten away from a family event to do something about the Packers was when the Packers signed Martellus Bennett. You know, yeah. We blew up, we blew up the whole Friday evening for that. And <laughs> look where that got us. So I will, I will have to think about that long and hard before we go, we go down that rabbit hole again. Yeah, I got so excited about it. I looked at the the Bennett brothers documentaries. I thought maybe I don't hate his brother and him. Maybe maybe they're nice guys. And then I see he does that, and he goes off to the Patriots. And now there's video footage come out about his brother, who they say was trying to roll up on them. Um, you know the the lads, ace tried tear ACLs, MCLs, and all the rest. Now I don't know if that's in his head, but you know the whole kneel down thing was happening. So yeah, geez, what a waste of time. Again, check out the UK Packers podcast. They are on SoundCloud. They are on iTunes, and you can find them on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. They do a phenomenal job, and I would highly encourage you to give them a follow. They're a lot of fun. I think they get it. Uh, this is all supposed to be fun, and we can have fun when we're talking about the Packers. Even even in a bit of a down season, we can we can have some fun with this. Before we dive into our main topic, the Carolina Panthers uh, on the road, the Packers playoff hopes. Are they alive? Are they not? We're waiting for word on Aaron Rodgers right now as we record this. I have Twitter open, keeping an idea uh, or keeping an eye on what the Packers may be doing in terms of of bringing Rodgers back uh, into the game plan process. Before we get to that, we got to talk a little bit about Teespring. We just had another order come through for one of our great Power Sweep t-shirts available through teespring.com. These are some of the most comfortable t-shirts I have ever had, and they are a great way for you to support the Power Sweep, to support what we're doing here uh, on the site, on this podcast, and and keep the good times rolling here. Help us fund what we need to do to keep the site active and Blue 58 on the air. Um, Teespring ships to Switzerland, to the UK, to wherever you live in the United States, and you're going to get a great-looking T-shirt that's comfortable. It washes well. It's not going to get all stretched out and look bad. I think it's a great, uh, a great product, and I think it would be worth your while, even if you're not a huge fan of the Power Sweep. If you are a fan of the Power Sweep and you like what we're doing, it's a great way to support the the website, the show, and everything else. Plus, if you are a contributor to our Patreon, just one dollar, you can get up to twenty-five percent off everything in our Teespring store. I think that's a pretty good trade-off and it would uh, save you quite a bit in the long run there. Check out both those options, but get yourself a good-looking t-shirt from the Power Sweep and from teespring.com. Let's talk a little Packers-Panthers. It is a long shot for the Packers to make the playoffs. You should know that by now because I've been saying it for a long time. I know it, obviously. Everybody should be pretty comfortable with the idea that it's going to take a lot for the Packers to make the playoffs. There's no shame in saying that. Packers are just one game over 500 uh, and need a lot of help to make the postseason. It's just the facts. That, that's the way it is. The Packers need to win out and get a lot of help to get into the playoffs. What's good is that there are still a lot of ways for the Packers to make the playoffs. 
That's not saying it's very likely as of the time we're recording this, even assuming Aaron Rodgers comes back Sunday and next week and the week after that. There's still only about a 10% chance that the Packers make the playoffs just based on positioning, all the things that go into that. Not great odds, but there still are a lot of ways for them to get to the playoffs. A bunch of different teams can lose. In fact, I think there's still a situation that if a a bunch of things go right, if if absolutely everybody who's got to lose does lose, the Packers can still be up to the third seed in the NFC. I'll just go ahead and rule that one out for you right away. The Packers are not going to be the third seed in the NFC. Just it's it's not going to happen. But there still are a lot of ways, a lot of different routes for the Packers to get to the playoffs. And fortunately, since they play against one of the teams ahead of them, there is one pretty obvious and easy path, not easy, uh, maybe more likely uh, than other paths, way for the Packers to get to the playoffs, and that's via the Carolina Panthers. Wouldn't you know it, the team the Packers are playing on Sunday. Carolina comes into this game at 9-4, and four, and if the Packers are going to leapfrog them and get into the playoffs, probably as the sixth seed, they have to beat the Panthers, and then the Panthers have to lose one of their next two games uh, for the Packers to end up tied with them, and then by virtue of the head-to-head tiebreaker, end up in the playoffs. Currently, the the Panthers lead the NFC South, which has been an absolute, or they are tied for first with the Saints in the NFC South, and that division's been an absolute bloodbath. And fortunately for the Packers, the Panthers still have some divisional work to do before the end of their season. They play the Packers this Sunday. The following Sunday, they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then they close out their season with a New Year's Eve game against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, like I said, not super likely that the Packers end up in the postseason, but if there is a way for them to go, it's because of the Panthers losing one of these two games. They handled the Buccaneers fairly okay earlier this season, 17-3 on the road at the end of November, or at the end of October, rather. And then the very next week, they beat the Atlanta Falcons 20-17 to uh, playing in Carolina. I think the Panthers probably are in good shape to win both of those games, but weird things have happened. It still probably remains the Packers' most likely path to the playoffs just by virtue of the fact that the Packers play them on Sunday. So what do we know about the Panthers? They're a real good team. They've got a former MVP at quarterback and a real Real good defense. How good? We'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about the Panthers on offense. I think four guys you got to be aware of on offense. The Panthers, even after trading, uh, especially, I guess, after trading Kelvin Benjamin, do not have a whole lot of exciting pass catchers. But they are a good power running team, and that starts with their quarterback. Cam Newton is an otherworldly sort of player. He's the guy that I always... The sort of player I always created myself to be on Madden, you know, the scrambling quarterback with the with the ultra rocket arm and the cool accessories, uh, the, the visor, the wristbands, all of that. He's an exciting player. His appeal and difficulty for the Packers to stop should be pretty obvious. The other guys you got to be aware of start with Christian McCaffrey, uh, a, the eighth overall pick in this spring's draft, 
the running back out of Stanford, former Heisman Trophy candidate. Very, very exciting player in college, but really not much of a runner at the NFL level. But the Panthers have not asked him to be. He's only taken 90 attempts rushing the bar of the ball so far this year, and you can see why because he's averaging only three and a half yards per carry. But where he really does his damage is as a receiver. He's been targeted 94 times so far this year, far and away uh, the most among the running backs on the Panthers and the second most of any player on the Packers or on the, on the Panthers. Um, he has 67 catches so far this year, the most on the team, 519 yards and four touchdowns. What have the Packers not done very well this year? Slow down receivers out of the backfield and running screens. That could be a problem. You also should be aware of Jonathan Stewart, old reliable, uh, at or around 30 years old, the old Oregon Duck, uh, is the the Panthers' leading rusher, at least in terms of attempts among their running backs. Uh, But still, like McCaffrey, averaging only 3.4 or 3.5 yards per carry. The other guy I think is worth keeping an eye on is Greg Olson, their tight end. Uh, He's been injured a whole bunch this year. He's only played in four games, and last year was just, or last week was just his fourth game of the season. He managed zero catches on one target, but I did think it was interesting that he played 59 snaps. That was 92% of the snaps uh, on Sunday. The Packers do tend to have a little bit of difficulty covering tight ends, uh, and if they can't keep Olsen under wraps, that could be a problem uh, through the air. Now, the defense. The defense is really where things all come together for the Carolina Panthers. They are good just about any way you look at them. We talk about DVOA a lot, defense adjusted value over average. I probably don't have to say that every time I bring up that stat, but uh, I guess it's just a a crutch word or something like that. They're good about every measure uh, of that stat. They're seventh overall, they're eighth against the pass, and fifth uh, in DVOA against the run. That's pretty good. You look at the more traditional metrics, they're 10th in scoring defense, uh, not too shabby. They're fifth overall in yards allowed. Again, real, real good. Uh, Where the Packers could be especially intrigued is in third down conversions. Uh, the, The Packers lived and died on third down against the Browns. When they were doing well, it was because they were converting third downs. And then when they were struggling there in the middle part of the game, it's because they weren't. The Panthers, ninth on third down conversions. It all starts to me in their front seven, uh, led by the man in the middle, middle linebacker, Luke Keekley. You don't need to say a whole lot about him. He is phenomenal. Uh, He makes their defense go. But they've also got real great uh, interior defenders in Kawan Short and Star Latulale, uh, just real good defensive tackles up front. And then, you know, you move outside and you've got Julius Peppers at approximately 56 years old, uh, nine and a half sacks so far this year. I've said it before. I will continue to say it. The Packers probably should have made a bit more of an effort to resign him uh, in this spring. So it's going to be a tough one for the Packers. Even with Aaron Rodgers out there, I think this is a tough game for the Packers to win. If there is a model for the Packers getting this one done, I think it's it's probably uh, their game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brad Hundley played absolutely out of his mind on that one. They took advantage of a few defensive breakdowns from the Steelers, and uh, they got a big game from Jamal Williams, despite the fact that the Steelers' defense is is at worst uh, pretty okay. Uh, the Packers uh, are, are facing a much better defense this week in the Carolina Panthers, but 
uh, the Steelers are at least a, a, a pretty respectable defensive unit, at least compared to the likes of the Packers, who are, are not very good on defense. It's going to come down, especially if Brett Hundley is under center, to the Panthers making mistakes and the Packers being able to take advantage. Because if the Packers can't get some breaks, I think it's it's just going to be the Panthers suffocating Brett Hundley and uh, and really slowing down that running game and forcing him to throw. That's really what the Browns should have done. They they should have forced him to make more difficult throws, and they they somehow just allowed him to make make some easy reads by playing so far off. I don't think the Panthers are going to to give up uh, that easy of completions, and it's going to put the Packers in a tough situation, especially if Aaron Rodgers can't go. Been stalling a little bit as we record because I think there's a chance we find out tonight, Tuesday night, that the Packers are going to uh, give Aaron Rodgers the thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, but we haven't heard anything so far, so we will just proceed as though uh, as though Rodgers, as of right now, is not going to be playing on Sunday. The Panthers are preparing for him, but it still remains to be seen. While I've got you here, I think it is important to point out that even Aaron Rodgers is mortal. I want to rewind to Week Nine of the 2015 season. Packers were six and one. Uh, they had just been handed their first loss of the season the previous week on the road in Denver. And where are they headed? That's right, to Carolina to take on the Panthers. This was a tough one for the Packers. They fell behind 27-7. They rallied, though, and were trailing by just 8, 37-29, with just under four minutes to go. They picked off Cam Newton deep in Panthers territory. Demarius Randall made a great play there and set the Packers up pretty well. Uh, Rodgers carefully maneuvered the Packers down the field and got them inside the five-yard line. A couple attempts at the end zone fell short, and so the Packers faced a fourth and goal from the four-yard line with exactly two minutes remaining. They run what seems to be a perfectly designed play. You've got James Jones and Randall Cobb on the right side of the formation, Uh, Jones runs to the inside, runs his defender directly into Randall Cobb's defender. Cobb breaks open in the end zone, and Aaron Rodgers hesitates, kind of clutches on a throw, looks at Cobb, looks away, then tries to force the ball to James Jones. It's intercepted by Thomas Davis, and that's that. Here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about that interception after the game. Yeah, I mean, I had the easy opportunity there for a pitch and catch touchdown, and um, you know, I got uh, got scared by something. I can't explain it. It's, it's a mistake by myself. I'll, I'll definitely be thinking about that one on the ride home. Uh, but we got to move on tomorrow and get ready for a division. I got scared. Interesting words from a two-time MVP quarterback, and. One worth remembering, or a comment worth remembering, I think, because if Rodgers is willing to admit that sometimes he just has brain fart out there, he just sees something that maybe isn't there, uh, second guesses himself in the process, and ends up making a bad play, it can affect the outcome of the game for the Packers. It certainly did here. Rodgers isn't perfect. He's not always going to be perfect. And coming back from a broken collarbone, expecting him to be as close to perfect as he usually is, is just a little bit unrealistic. Last time the Packers were in Carolina, Rodgers got quote-unquote scared, uh, got spooked by something he saw in the coverage, and didn't make a play that was there for the making. That was when he was coming off a 6-0 start and had been playing pretty well. Now, after two months on the shelf, 
with uh, Jordy Nelson, who is two years older and and still um, seemingly slowing down week by week, with a Randall Cobb who who can't get open as consistently as he used to, and with no tight ends uh, with any sort of explosiveness uh, to throw to, Rodgers may not have the the perfect lineup and may not be the the perfect player that we've seen from him in the past. There could be mistakes in the future, and uh, even though the Packers may be better off. Uh, with uh, Rodgers under center than Brett Hundley, it's worth remembering that he is not always perfect. He's immortal, just by the la- just like the rest of us. And and even if he if he is uh, close to his MVP caliber self, it's going to take a lot for the play or the Packers to get to the playoffs. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for stopping by episode 60 of Blue 58. You can find us, as always, at thepowersweep.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Just search The Power Sweep, both of those websites. And if you would like to reach us via email, you may do so uh, via thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, you may do so via patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Throw in $1 a month. You get all sorts of great benefits, more of which will be coming Uh, in the relatively near future. So keep an eye out uh, for that if you are already a Patreon supporter. Uh, Check out our shirts on Teespring. Reach that site uh, via our shop link at thepowersweep.com. And if you are so inclined, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes, uh, preferably a super-duper positive one about how much you love the show and it's your favorite thing in the world. We do love to hear from you. Any feedback you offer helps me become better at this, helps us make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better, and helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. And smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58. Mm-hmm.